the world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs, and we now have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. Keep seeking the answer to poverty through government, and the problem will continue to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, not in Washington or any state's capital. The long-term success of our country will come through our children if we teach them perseverance, humility, honor, character, hope, and love. And love will lead to action. This is The Mickey Ellison Show. How we raise our children today will be our legacy for good or evil. Let's change the world. Now, here is Mickey Ellison. I want to get the hell out of here I've ordered my Mercedes I want to meet some classy ladies And start drinking champagne instead of beer Now I don't have much money But we can work out something I could send you 20 bucks a week He said that's not how it works And just what is your net worth? I said my net worth is what I got on me So I called up my mother-in-law Told her about the ad I saw Guaranteeing a fortune to be made I said I need a hundred foul Cause we have got to jump in now We'll make a bunch and split it up two ways So I met her down at the bank Grabbed the check and then I ran As fast as I could to their store Now here's all the money So pick some winners, Sonny And call me up when we make the big score Well, I saw it on the evening news Stock market really had the blues and when it closed, it set an all-time low. I wondered, where did I go wrong? Why did this happen to me, Lord? I've got to get that money back, you know? Well, I just sat there and wondered why. I was going to buy low and sell it high. But things sure didn't work out that way. I don't know what I'm going to do. And to tell y'all the truth, I think I've lost my assets today. Hey, broker man, please don't make no more investments, because I would like to keep my shirt and pants. Normally we don't open the show that way, but with today's guest, I thought that would be appropriate because I thought he'd get a kick out of the song as well. Um, and we're going to talk about financial planning a little bit today, but it's going to be on a more simplified um, version and, and things that are just common sense versus what you see and watching CNBC, MSNBC, uh, Fox Business, all, all the gurus that you're seeing on television. Um, I'm going to introduce the, the guest today, and, and it's going to be a little different because he he has done quite a few things that are, are really impressive. One is he's written a book called Financial Sanity and Three Easy Lessons, and on the Facebook page of the Mickey Ellison Show, there's a link where you can actually buy that book, or you can just email me. I've got a couple copies left um, that I that I got from David Simpson, who was our guest. But more importantly, I want to introduce David as um, a true friend. A true friend in the sense of, of conversations that we've had over the last month or two that um, only a true friend would have with someone else and be willing to risk the relationship because he loved the person so much that he would continue to have the conversation and and start to show errors in, in my ways. And, and we don't agree on everything, and nor I don't know that we ever will. But the one thing we do agree on is Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And um, I've 
several weeks ago, I, I mentioned that that I believe David is the most honest man that I know in the financial planning industry, and um, and I work in that industry. So, um, but I thought he had the best plan. And several years ago, when I was going through hard times in the industry itself, I reached out to David after hearing him hearing him on the Mike Church show, and um, I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad he responded. So um, without any further ado, David Simpson, author of Financial Sanity and Three Easy Lessons and, and one of my best friends, welcome to the show. Oh, Lord have mercy, Mickey. You're going to make me cry <laughs> here. I, you're supposed to, you're supposed to introduce your guest and make him so humble as to want to climb out the, you know, go under the door on the way out the building. Uh, I don't know what to say to all that other than God uh, praise God. I, I mean, you know, that's uh, it certainly, if he used me for an instrument or anything uh, to help you, then, then praise him. But I, uh, you know, I just uh, try to do the best I can and and hope that I do help people in the process. And, and, uh, and by the way, as far as being friends, you didn't, you didn't risk anything less. Uh, you, you know, you and I have, have become friends because we're willing to care about one another to the level you talk about it. And so, um, so anyway, that like I said, rough introduction, man. I started tearing up a little bit. Don't do that to me again. Well, well, I started too when I was doing it, but I do think that, and, and you know, the conversations that we had back and forth via via email um, that we're not going to talk about on on the show. Um, it wasn't just the the response; it was the measured response, the time to to, to actually think about the responses. And, and and to me, that is the definition of true friendship. True friendship is where you love someone so much you're willing to risk them becoming angry at you and maybe mm-hmm. even ostracizing you for a period of time until the yeah. spirit speaks to them to let you know, hey, that was spoken in love. And yeah. the one thing that we both have in common outside of our our uh, belief in Christ as, as Lord and Savior um, is our quest for the truth. And that's right. what brought us together um, you know, three or four years ago when, when I actually reached out to you and, and had the opportunity to meet you in person down at Mike's event in, in Louisiana. But uh, let's talk about fi- financial planning a little bit and, and where – you know your book. I mean, heavens, we I've got like four shows left. We could do four shows on this entire on this subject. But the the thing that um, I run into, and what I was what I was running into in in 2012 when I reached out to you, and really started in 2009, was something's wrong. Something's wrong with how we're telling people to to invest, and and. I play that song with with Hank Williams Jr. A, a little bit as a joke, but there's some truth in that. I mean, when I first came into the industry, one of the things that was really popular was this idea of seminars, and we're constantly bombarded with ways yes. to manipulate people, and that's the that's the right word, manipulate people into coming to see you, making them make them feel special, make them do this. Whether you really do think they're special or not, do these things and you can get people to react, which is a typical sales technique in and of itself to try to get people to to do things that they wouldn't do otherwise. But yeah. um, when I came across – and you actually did this plan for me as well before you even re- you had written the book. And it just made so much common sense because I see so many people that are con- – actually, I got a phone call. 30 minutes before the show about a guy calling me, are we making any money today? Well, I don't look at the stock market. If yeah. in the accounts that you have with me, if that number is green, yes. If it's red, no. <laughs> and he was asking me about, um, other ways to, to invest. He was looking at, at, at some real estate and, um, he wanted to, uh, be able to take some money out of an IRA to buy the real estate, which <laughs> that's a whole other conversation that we, the, the real estate made sense that he was looking the, a different way of, of creating an income stream for himself. But right, right. in order to do that, his money's tied up in a system that we bought into that's going to cost yeah. him 30 to 40% to take it out to buy that real estate. So well, you know, I, I guess, I had a, go sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I had a conversation with a young guy yesterday. I, I'm 51 uh, this year. Mickey, can you believe that? And uh, we're actually yeah. having trouble hearing hearing you as well. So, if you would, could 
I'll talk for a couple of minutes. Can you try calling back and see if we can get the connection a little bit better so everyone I'll, can hear exactly I'll, what you just said? I'll do it right now. Hold on. I'll call right back. All right. Uh, sorry about that, folks. That's technical difficulties, and we'll get this phone connection up and running so that you can hear um, what I believe to be is is the most honest man in um, in, in all of ra- – not a radio, but in, in all of financial planning. And the ideas that he has is, is so simple because we live in a world right now where the typical financial planner that you're running into is talking – always talking about IRAs, talking about – um, reducing your taxes. And those things in and of themselves are not necessarily bad, but sometimes they trap you into situations that prevent you from doing something else that you know might be good. Just like the client that I was talking about a minute ago, he could not um, he, he could not buy the real estate without costing him 30% in taxes, which really messes it up. Hey, and we have David back. So David... If you would start that sentence, the what you were saying over again, because now I can hear you. I think. Well, very good. I make sure I'm up against a break here too. I'll, I'll get cut off again. Oh, uh, hey, we own the whole hour, dude. We don't even have to go to a break. Very good. Well, so this young <laughs> fellow is talking to me, and like I said, I spent an hour or more just doing education. In other words, my report is not, you know, you know. It. I mean, there, there obviously there's some numbers in there. Obviously, it talks about money. It talks about growth rates and that kind of stuff. But for the most part, it's the systematic. Uh, overview of what you should be thinking about when you're trying to build you know, some financial savings and, and wealth. Well, so I finished the, the hour-long conversation. It's pretty technical in some respects. And I asked him, I said, well, you know, do you have any, any questions, any comments, anything come to mind that strikes you up front? And he says, now this is a young kid, this 23-year-old kid who's just starting out. Um, you know, and this is what he said. I thought it was very profound in a very simple way. He said, Golly, I was expecting you to, you know, to say, "Hey, give me a hundred bucks a month, and I'll put it in this mutual fund," and uh, and that was going to be the end of the conversation. And he goes, "You really gave me a lot more to think about," <laughs> and and that's the whole point. We don't ever think about what's really going on. We just listen to everyone who wants to sell us a product. We buy the products. It gets into this miasma of, of a mess that we never can quite untangle. And we just keep on doing it for the rest of our lives and hope it all works out. Well, I don't think that's a good process, and I never have. Uh, I, I mean, granted, I started that way. I, I learned at Prudential, and they kind of taught me that methodology. But it, I just very quickly realized it was not a good method. And so I started to change it, and over time, I think I've gotten some level of understanding and, and something that I can also uh, encourage other people to do as well. And one of the things that I want folks to know that if you start to contact me about financial planning and, and through our faith finance and, and fitness ministry and through the dollar a day programs that we're doing, um, I'm going to point you toward David. Now, I will tell you that we put together what I think is a pretty good um, equity type of a type of a play, but it, it, it does have its flaws. And if that's where you're putting 100% of your money, you're bound to fail at some point in time. So if um, if you're needing help and you want to have these conversations with, with, with David and, and learn more about true, uh, true planning versus buying a product, this is the guy you want to talk to. Um, so David, in that conversation, what were the things that you talked about? Because I'd imagine that the, the overall um, – idea of the financial plan that, that or the planning that you did went through a lot of those steps that you talk about in your book. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it all centers around kind of two things. First is the financial report card, which is uh, there's, a, there's a picture of it in my book. And it's just a spreadsheet. I, by the way, you know, some people kind of think of my planning as hokey sometimes because I use my own self-created spreadsheet that I put together over years of, of meditating on the issues, mm-hmm. I, I always say, well, what does the client need to know? Uh, what should he be looking at to be healthy in the financial world? And so it's called my financial report card. And it's like I said, there's a picture of it in the book. And it, in the report card, there's basically 12 items that you should be thinking about if you really want to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, as they say. So you know, I'll just give you the first six because I don't think it's important to talk about all of them right now. But So the first six on the list are budget, savings program, debt management, Emergency provisions, emergency savings, and proper insurance. I think if you get those six things pretty well taken care of, most of the long-range future financial goals are probably going to take care of themselves. But so that was so we, we we didn't go through each one of the topics. What I do is I just show somebody what the financial report card does, why I put it in my annual report to my clients, because I want them to grow over time. I want them to say, hey, this year. 
you know, David Simpson scored me, and I got a D plus. And next <laughs> last, next year, I got a C minus. And the following year, I got a C plus. And I'm going up the ladder of his of his opinion of my financial health. So I'll, therefore, I'm getting better. Now, it doesn't really mean that it's David Simpson's judgment. It's because they can see it on paper. They really are getting healthier. They can see the savings accumulating. They can see the fact that they've got more bases covered. They can see the fact that they sleep better at night. They maybe have experienced some dips in the market and didn't crush them. Um, so they actually know they're healthier because they can sense it and they can see it and they can feel it. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is I always talk about is this be your own banker concept. It's so it's so essential. It's, it's the centerpiece of almost every plan that I do because we are losing an enormous amount of our wealth because we use other people's money to buy things. Um, your client, matter of fact, is a perfect example of why we get into that circumstance. He put all his money in an IRA. Now he's got a real estate deal that's possible. And he says... Well, I don't have any money to buy the real estate unless I tap my IRA and take a 10% penalty and the 15% tax. I don't want to do that. So he, what is he going to do? He's going to go to the bank. He's going to borrow money. Well, guess what? Now, now, any work he does, any activity he does to make that real estate of value to him and to his family is going to have somebody ride on his shoulders taking money out of his back pocket, the, the financier. And so I became firmly convinced that we, we lose too much of our wealth through the process of finance financing, that we need to, to control that mechanism in our own, uh, our own financial world. And if we do control it, we become wealthier because now we're the ones experiencing the growth through uh, interest expense. So that's a very quick idea of what I'm talking about, but that's kind of one of the things I always talk about is that you've got to become your own banker. Yeah, and we're we're running up on a break, but I I think you're we can open Pandora's box when we talk about financing and the different things that financing does to uh, we we've been sold the other people's money and, and that's that that's something that a lot of people will you're going against grain on that and um but there's so much of the distraught that we have in the financial system and people's personal finances based off of debt that um they don't even understand. And mm-hmm. we're going to go to a break real quick, and we'll get back. We'll talk a little bit. I'll start off with the budget and, uh, and some of the things that we're doing with, uh, with, with the Road to Complete Fitness and Faith Finance and Fitness.com. Um, uh, and um, we'll just continue the conversation. We'll see you folks in a minute. future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Lots of people talk about publishing their work, but have no idea where to start. If you are one of these aspiring authors or know somebody who is, don't miss Publishing Today Radio with Athena Dean Holtz. Thought leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs, and in general, storytellers all want to get their messages in print. And that includes branding and marketing. Athena and her guests are here to answer your publishing questions and more. Tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to The Mickey Ellison Show. And today my guest is, is friend and somewhat of a mentor, David Simpson. And we're, we're talking about the financial planning and, and, and generics. And for more information and more detailed information on what we're talking about, you can also go get his book, um, Financial Sanity and Three Easy Lessons. In the last segment, he mentioned uh, David mentioned the financial report card, and I'm sitting there staring at it in his in his book. And, and you know, one of the things that I that I found interesting, David, when I'm looking at this thing is is um, on the report card you've got. I'm assuming this is kind of the order that that you think you. You hope people will start to think, and, and retirement planning seems to be further down <laughs> down the line. Yeah. And, uh, and if you go, hey, hey, if you you know from what your your training with the company that you started with, and my training from the beginning, that retirement planning is where people start yeah. when you go when you go visit a financial planner, because that's what they're uh, a lot of times that's what they're asking asking for. They're thinking about. About retirement, that's what causes them to come in and see see somebody. But in reality, you know, you start with the budget. I was talking off the air with you a minute ago about the budget. Nobody likes to do a budget. I don't do a very good um, spreadsheet of a budget. I, I I do know where our money goes, and I do do a decent job of uh, of um, controlling where it goes. But probably not as good as it would be if I actually wrote it down every month. So a couple months back, um, you know, we're helping people with our dollar a day program, and and yeah. actually. We're even going to to the extent of, of getting people to just participate at five bucks a month. Everybody can do five bucks a month, and um, and it, it, I think everybody could probably do the dollar a day. But start with five bucks and, mm-hmm. and see what happens when you give five dollars to someone else with with no selfish ambition. And we're working with those people. But you know, Andrea, who, whom you know know of. Yes. One of the first things that I asked her to do was I said, Andrew, we've got to sit down in a month and I'll do this with you. Nikki and I, Nikki is my wife, we'll do this with you. We literally wrote down every dime that we spent for a month. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, I knew what the bills were. It's the other stuff that I didn't know where, where necessarily where the money was going. And the funny thing happened, I would catch myself going going to uh, get something that I really didn't Heck, it was just out of habit for the most part, and I go, I'm gonna have to write this down. Yeah, so I, I'll skip that dollar today. But uh, let's talk about about the budget and the savings program, and, and, and just walk us through what you would uh, you would do in that that initial meeting with helping people to to wake up to what it is that that we hope and think they need to be doing. Well, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about something you mentioned, which is true. You know, you, when you go into the, the standard financial advisor these days, they're first trying to get your, your retirement money for a reason. And there's two reasons, actually. The first is their, their game. Their game is to what they call gather assets under management. You know that expression. Yep. And, um, and so that, help, you know, that helps them pay the bills. So in other words, and it's not evil. It's just they're doing it. It's what they were trained to do, and they're doing it. And sometimes they do a good job. Sometimes they do an okay job. Sometimes they do a bad job. But that's, that's the goal is to grab your assets and get them under their management so they'll, they'll uh, make money off of it. Well, then the, but the second goal, which I think is actually a little more insidious, is then they have you as a long-term client. Look, if you walk into me and the first thing I say to you is, hey, I'm a plan for your retirement, well, then I've got you for 40 or 50 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, all of a sudden, you're thinking, oh, this is my man. This is my guy. He's for, for life. Um, uh-huh. You see, what I tell people is, look, I'm going to show you how well I've done every year. And anytime I don't make it go up, you can fire me. Okay? I tell people that in the first meeting. Because, they sh- I, as a matter of fact, the financial report card has two report cards into one. One is my report card on them, but at the bottom is their net worth, and that's their report card on me. It lets them know if their wealth is growing, and if it is, Good. If it's not, they should jettison me because I'm not a good advisor. Um, well, and look, hey, I think a lot of times though people look at at the return that they get on the actual investment itself versus. Yeah, I, there's two pieces to that puzzle. There's the piece that that we provide as far as some investment advice on different assets, but there's also the part that they have to do as well, which is yep. to continue to save. That's right, and and. 
and some people don't like my methodology because they say, well, of course your, your wealth is growing because you have them saving and, uh, you know, in the market but also doing separate second, secondary businesses and so on and so forth. So, of course, your wealth is going up because you, you, you're basically creating this giant money machine. Create, well, I said, well, what, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? I mean, <laughs> I mean you're complaining because I'm making my clients save? Are you, are you kidding me? Um, what they do, on the other hand, is they say, hey, just look at your market assets, and hopefully they're going up 8, 10, 12%, as they always used to say. They don't say that too much anymore. Um, but they, they go, and then they, may, they let you ignore losses in disorder, right? Um, they can... Mickey, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Are you still I'm there? Sorry. I thought are, I thought a lot of somebody. All right. Are you still there? I'm here. So all they right. keep hey, we're they all here. They completely ignore someone's personal house, and they just—they don't care if they're blowing money, right? Um, they just care that that the person stick with them. So that's kind of the issue that I'm trying to address, and uh, and so uh, I think it's a, it's an interesting interesting point. Now, as far as the budget goes, I think I'm gonna switch phones. I think I'm losing a battery there or something. Alrighty, alrighty. Hey, stay with us. As far us, as the folks. budget goes, you know, we, you talk about you and I found this off air. Um, Nobody likes one. I mean, I have clients all over the board. Usually it's my wealthy clients who have absolutely no budget because they really don't need one because they know they have enough money to cover those expenses. Right. It's my extremely impoverished clients that usually don't have one because they don't think they can actually make a budget work. And it's the in-between people who say, you know, golly, uh, you know, it just seems like one other project I have to take on. I'm pretty busy. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, everyone has an excuse not to have one. But I'll tell you, I think it's a... I think it's an insight into your personhood. It's an insight into what you are as an individual if you're willing to discipline yourself and make a budget. Because I firmly believe you should tell your money where to go, not have it tell you where it went, right? And most people live that way. And that's kind of a – I think it, it may even border on the, on the sin of sloth. You know, um, I'm not going to worry about things that are important. Economy is important. Economizing is important. Make sure you're providing for your wife and your children is an important thing that every father should be doing. And so I, I consider it a pretty high, a highly significant thing that you say, hey, I'm going to regulate myself and make sure that, um, that I'm living within my means. Uh, but beyond that, it also allows you to put money where it's most important, which is building the things that are, that are prudential, meaning making good decisions. I'm insuring myself. Um, I'm going I'm to I'm have some type of school fund or emergency fund, uh, whatever. Um, so... Well, what do I think is the best one? I really think the envelope system, uh, Larry Burkett, uh, God rest his soul, uh, developed this thing called envelope, you know, the envelopes, he called them, but it was just based uh-huh. on the old ladies. They used to get their paychecks in cash. They would divide it into a bunch of envelopes for each category they need to spend money on. They gave a certain amount to each category, and when that money was gone, that's all they would spend on it. Um, uh-huh. It's real simple. It's very um, easy to manage, and it also does a doggone good job of budgeting. Yeah, and, and and that that may be. Is it more difficult to do today since we we really have we don't have cash. We have digital money, which is uh, something that I could be. I I think could lead to some very very dangerous times in the future that it's all yeah. digital. But um, yeah, what you do is you you don't use cash anymore. I mean, you can. I mean, I'm not saying you can't use the actual envelopes in cash, but you basically you know get a three ring binder and have ledger sheets that represent your envelopes, and you just record all the money transactions on a ledger sheet. One of the things I think. Uh, David, it's really important in, in the financial planning and, and being able to control your money too is is learning how how to give, and that's the actual lesson in this dollar a day program. And actually, like I said earlier, we're we're even bringing it down to to someone that maybe they can give five dollars a month. They can't do a dollar a day, or maybe they don't want to do a dollar a day. I, I really believe that that anybody listening to the show is able to. They could put five dollars in an envelope and mail it to somebody just randomly and they never miss the five dollars a month but the thing that's happening there and we're asking people there there are people that are participating in this program that have debt themselves i mean heck i have some you've seen mine and Mm -hmm. it's not what it was when you first did it but the the thing is we're still giving despite having the debt ourselves so what we're learning at the same time is that that we're not just focused on self it's a huge issue mickey I think one of the first things I learned in my married life, because I went through you know, Larry Burkett's uh, envelope system of budgeting, the first part of his book is not about budgeting, it's about tithing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone's heard the word, everyone's seen the Bible verses, you know, whatever, and sometimes we get kind of callous and ignore it, go, well, whatever, 
tithing, whatever, you know, kind of dismiss it. But it shouldn't be because my wife and I did this. This is when we weren't making very much money. Hey, I still don't make all that much money, but when we were making even less in our, in our early married years, we thought tithing. Is he kidding me? I can't, I can't get 10% away to God. That would kill me. I don't, I don't have that much money. But we decided we would do it. We said, we know it. We bought the book. <laughs> uh-huh. We're going to listen to this guy who says he knows what he's talking about, and we're going to do it. But here's what happens. An interesting little phenomenon happens. Money loses its attachment over you. You, 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 you know, it no longer dominates all that you think about and all that you worry about because now you're literally giving away that which you thought was your lifeblood and your only means of, of survival, okay? Mm-hmm. And when you have that kind of mental shift, it's life-changing because even now, uh, I've been married, what, 20, come on, 22 years, 23 years. Um, even now, I run into people, men my age who are, say, who are so dominated by the idea of earnings and paying all the bills and making, you know, keeping up with the Jones and all this other stuff, they can't understand. They, they just don't even fathom how I live in the means that I do. I mean, my wife, my wife doesn't work outside the house. She homeschools the kids. Uh, like I said, I'm not a wealthy man, but I make it all work. And they go, how do you do that? And I think the answer is, I don't care about it as much as you do. <laughs> I mean, you've got to care less about money. Or else it's going to kill you. Yeah, and I, th- I think uh, as I'm, I'm a few years younger, you're not that many, but as, as I go, I get to the same point where I, I watch all, all you know, we, we're inundated with clients each and every day, different personalities, different uh, um, um, thoughts on money. It's just like the conversation that, that I had with the, the client earlier today, and, and, and you, can, you can see that there, uh, it, it is easy to be con- controlled by that money and, and seeking the, the things. I mean, I watch people invest for retirement for years and years. I've been here doing this for 16 years. We and funny thing is you and I got in about the same time. And I see them worrying the whole time they're saving. And then when they retire, they're worrying that they're going to yeah. run out of money. And then I also yeah. see people, I see people who continue. Well, I, I, I Someone I know that that does extremely well is constantly trying to show that that to prove to people that he has done a great job by all the stuff that that he buys. And I look at all the stuff and I go, that that just looks like slavery to me. Yeah. I, I mean, it's slavery to try and try. You see it every day. Even you know, we've got the fitness side of what we're doing. And, and I see the same same thing. They people become slaves to to the workout. They become slaves yeah. to all these things. When in reality, the only thing we're supposed to be slaves to is God. Well, and that's what you said at the front end, which I thought was very intuitive. Also, which was you and I were seeking truth. And when you look, okay, so you, so you and I would go and look at the same guy who's buying the the new thing, whatever it is, right? He buys this something, and you and I are going to look at it and go. Man, that's one more thing he's got to maintain. It's going to degrade. It's going to rot. He's going to repair it. He's going to whatever. And so we're thinking, you just added another cost, therefore, and more work, therefore, so like you just said, slavery to this thing. Uh-huh. And, and you ask two other guys who are looking at it, and they're going to be oohing and on because they're after the same thing. They believe their happiness is somewhere external to them. And it's not. And it never will be. And so, you know, you go, and you know, by the way, <laughs> the love of money is the root of all evil. Have you heard this somewhere before? I mean, yes. it, we already know these things. Yeah, and we we've keep... also there's also a commandment in there not to covet, and that's what that I mean. That in and of itself is the bottom line of what's happened there, where where the person is really ooing and eye. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a bit covetous. Uh huh. So, yeah, I, I, it's not, it really is, and but you see, it's hard. It's very difficult to teach that. In an absolute way. In other words, if you just came out and you gave them the Christian concept, they would go, uh, you know what, you're, 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 you're a preacher now. Matter of fact, the first, par- my first chapter of my book, I said, pardon me while I preach for a minute. Because I do preach in the first chapter of my book. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> um, it's one of my favorite chapters of the book, by the way. Well, you know, it, it, it just needed to be said. But you see, it's difficult because people don't expect that and they don't want that even. And so, they do, and so I have to find a means by which I can use the current monetary system and the, system and the situation they find themselves in to try to bring them understanding, a deeper understanding of what's going to really make them happy. And, of course, that's a long road. That's why, I, when I, by the way, I hardly have a client ever leave me. But, uh, matter of fact, I think the only two that I can think of, they moved away. Uh, but anyway, um, 
it, they don't leave because there is like this relationship that's going on, and there's this development that's going on, and we're learning from each other, and we're growing with each other, but they're becoming more and more and more detached, which I hope to lead them to. I even have on their financial report card a section called Making a Difference, which means giving things away to things that you care about so you feel fulfilled in, in the money that you earn. You, you, you made a difference with what you earned, not I accumulated a whole bunch of junk. Right, and, and that, that whole bunch of junk is it, it, vanity. It's just the uh, – it doesn't mean that we don't – we're not saying to work hard and, and, and to live a, a, a decent life because it's not like you, you and, and your wife and kids are living in poverty either. Um, no. It, it, and, but, and, Mickey, it, I wouldn't care if a guy is a, is a multimillionaire if he's detached. Mm-hmm. In other words, because then, then he might build hospitals with his money. Yeah. <laughs> he might build yeah. universities or start uh, orphanages or who knows what. I don't care how much money you have as long as you stay with the proper perspective to it. It's just that when we have that, that skewed perspective that it starts eating us alive. Yeah. And hey, when we get, we're getting ready to go to a break in a couple minutes. But one of the things I, I want to talk about is, is – um, the other people's money thing that we were discussing in the first segment, and you mentioned something about be be your own banker, and we won't get into the the nitty gritty details of exactly how that works, but um, you know it's just a way of looking at instead of using other people's money, which is a way to get you to pay interest on other people's money, mm-hmm. learn to pay yourself interest on your own money, and you can be your own banker. Uh, David Simpson and I will be back in a minute, and we'll talk. Uh, talk more about the plan and get in more details also if you're interested in the book you can go to the facebook page i actually will put a link on on the on my page but i think there's more traffic on the facebook page um you can click that link and you can buy the book or you can contact me directly i've got a few copies left and i will send you one out um but uh david we'll be back in a minute and hope the people that are listening are still there see you guys in a second Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned to the Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Mickey Ellison here with you today. And uh, David Simpson has, has joined us as well. And David is whom I've said several times, I think the most honest man in, in the financial services industry, and I've learned a ton from David in the in the three years that we've known each other. Uh, we talked a little bit about budgeting in the, in the uh, previous segment, and you know we're not going to be able to get into every single part of this book, but um, I, I, you can. 
if you go to the Facebook page and click the button and, and buy the thing. But uh, and you help David actually be able to continue coming on shows like this and, and sharing sharing the word, but sharing his wisdom. And um, you can also catch him every once in a while on Sirius XM with with uh, Mike Church. If you have if you do have Sirius XM, he comes on several times a month called Wisdom Wednesday. Um, he's not on Wisdom Wednesday today because he's bringing the wisdom here with us. But <laughs> hey. Before we went to the break, David, we, we uh, I mentioned something about um, the the financial system and, and using other people's money and and how so many of us have have bought in into that that process. Let's talk about um, and I guess we can't we don't have time to really get into the the debt based system that that I believe um, is it was flawed from from the, the very beginning, especially back to 1913, where we thought we could build a uh, an economy based off of usury, and um, but uh, let's talk a little bit about other people's money and how it is you can turn that other people's money into using your money to pay yourself the own interest. Well, Oops, we just talk again. about which is we do have uh, a serious problem on our hands. Oops, and we're, losing it, we're losing. We're happy. We're lo- having con- losing connection with David, and we're going to try to reconnect again. And um, and, and talking about the the system itself, and, and it is based on usury, and and it, it is a system that most people. You know, we've got a group of people out there right now that are thinking the world's coming to an end, and then we've got another group of people out there that don't even know that the problems exist, and they don't understand the system, they don't pay any attention to the system, and um, it, it it creates a a, a real problem in trying to, to educate folks on, on how this works. But we've often been taught and, and, and we, we see people who make deals on, on using finance. I worked in the fin- been in this financial planning industry for quite some time. All right, David, you back? I am. All right. I don't know what, the, what in the world is going on. Uh, Mickey, um, I, I swear, you know, the devil's coming after us this time. Cause we, <laughs> he, he's finally trying to get us off the air altogether. Uh, All right. I'm going to try to finish up. I, I don't know really where I cut off, but I was going to try to discuss trying to get out of the debt system that we live under. There's really no way to escape it. Uh-huh. And so what I advocate is, well, then we're going to have to kind of use the judo technique, which is use the weight of the system against itself. Um, in other words, since the interest is pervasive and there's no way to get out of our money system under its current situation, you have to... Use interest to your own benefit and not let it benefit those that are, are looking to enslave us. And uh-huh. so what, what does that mean? Well, it means you've got to build a bank. Well, I don't want you to go build a brick-and-mortar bank on the corner of, of Main Street. I'm talking about you've got to put together some capital. And that could be coming out of your IRA. It could be refinancing your home. It could be just you saving you know, $300 a month. It doesn't really matter how you build it. But you build this bucket of money, and then you t- use that money to finance anything that you buy in the future, so whether it be your cars or your kids' braces or a new air conditioner for your house or whatever. That way the interest, quote-unquote interest, that you're paying, it's really just a forced savings technique, uh-huh. the interest you're paying is to yourself. It's going into a larger bucket of money for you, and then I hope and I pray that you use that large bucket of money to actually free us from the slavery that's being imposed upon us by this interest and debt-based system. Well, I mean, if people will take a look at it when, when they've bought a home, when you do a mortgage, and I'm not saying that you're going to be able to do this on the home right now. You might have to do it on a car or something like that. But if you've ever seen, this is what you pay for the house, and then they'll give you a number out there with all the dollars that you've paid oh, yeah. over oh, the yeah. next 30 years and say, yes, $100,000. It may show $300,000 that you've paid over that time frame. What you're basically doing is instead of sending that money to the bank, you're paying that same interest to yourself. So at the in the end, you wind up with the $300,000 versus the bank. And you still have saw, the house. Yeah, I saw a statistic just the other day that said that since most people move in five to seven years from one house to another and then keep refinancing, that roughly 80% of what they pay is going to the financier. Uh, think about that. On, on, on an annual lifetime basis, this wasn't just a, you know for the first couple of years. This was forever because they changed houses so much and then refinance. So think about that. You know, you spend a hundred bucks, or you, you know, you spend a hundred dollars, and twenty dollars goes to buy down your equity, and eighty dollars goes to the banker. Um, uh-huh. Something's wrong in that picture because you're the only one paying the bills, but you're not profiting at all. Yeah, it, it's a it's a system and a long conversation that we could have for an entire show of how 
we've created <laughs> there's some really smart people that created a system that allowed them to make money basically doing nothing um yep. on and our backs. uh it, on our backs and that's what the banking system is about but it it is you know i look at that situation i look at what we're doing with the dollar day and david i, I i'm going off on a tangent a little bit on the on the dollar day i believe there's millions of people out there that will participate in in doing this dollar day and what happens when we we educate people the way you are on being your own banker and, and, and controlling where your money is going, if we can alleviate people from debt, not only we do several things because I'm a firm believer that at some point in time the financial system that, that we have um, collapses under its own weight. Now that could be that may not even be in our lifetime, but if if that or happen, or it might be two years from now, right? Yeah, yeah, it could be it could be six months from now. But yep, the thing that's that's happening amongst this group is we're starting to build community. And I believe that we can have at least 50 separate groups in each one of the states doing what we're doing. And honest to goodness, if somehow, some way, I can find a way to make sure my family um, continues to eat. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do because I believe that to the bottom of my heart, that moment in the basement that I've told you about was God speaking directly to me. Well, and, and, I and just, Mickey, that inspiration and your mission is, in, is, is absolutely positively making a difference. And it will continue to make a difference because it's a good idea and it's the right thing to do. And I, and I wholeheartedly endorse you pursuing it and, and with all your vigor. Um, it, it, it will make a difference. Now, it'll take, who knows how it will be, end up being. In other words, what the enterprise will be when, when it's all said and done. But, um, but charity, that type of thing, like I told you before, first thing my wife and I learned in the financial world, and I think it changed my life. I think it's why I'm sitting here today and not still practicing law. Uh, <laughs> Because I saw the the impact that finance can have on people, and it really does change their lives if they do it right. Yes, it does. And and you get them out of that position where they're they're going to see their financial planner keeping their fingers crossed, hoping that their money went up because the market went up. You have no control over that. I don't yeah. have any control over that. So what you're teaching people to do is do the things that you have control of. Doesn't mean that you don't have some money invested in in some of those equity type investments, because I think your clients do. A lot of your clients do as well. Sure. But understand that piece, that money moving up, you have no control of. But what you do have some control of is when you're creating that own banking system, where instead of paying five percent interest on, on a mortgage or, or a car loan to the bank, you're paying it to yourself, and mm-hmm. at the end, you wind up with the money that the bank would have had otherwise, but you've got to be disciplined in the very beginning to create the bank. Yeah, and it's not hard. I mean, some people come here to me, and I can you know, create the bank in a year and a half. Sometimes it takes me five years. But whatever, either way, it's worth it, because for the rest of your life at that point, you've taken an enormous measure of control back into your hands, and once you see the reason you did it and why it works and how it works, I promise you, you'll ever see money the same way again. You'll, you'll be singing, not my praises, you'll be singing truth's praises for all time because you're going to say, my goodness, why did I ever get snookered like I did before by those banksters? Right, and, and, and the, the tough part is helping people to understand that they're even being snookered. And, yeah. and, and that, that's, I told you before, uh, I think it was off the air, that, that the, the struggle that, that we have at times is you, have this, you do have this fringe group of people that think the world is coming to an end. Now, look, mm-hmm. it is going to come to an end at some point in time, but we're also told in Scripture not to worry about that. Yep, absolutely. And, and there's another group of people which I think are the people that are – they're not dangerous. They're, they're, they're living in perilous times without even realizing they're living in perilous times. And if, if all of a sudden we become Greece and you go to the bank and you can't pull out $400 from your ATM card, they're telling you you can take 60 bucks out. Do they not think that that can happen here? I'm glad you brought and, it up. You know I wrote a blog about it. You know that. Uh, yep. I, I mean, what are people doing? They're just ignoring the patent reality that something happened in a Western industrialized nation. <laughs> this, isn't, right. this, this isn't some tyrant who, who in some third world country says, I'm just going to seize all the bank accounts. This is, they just shut them down and said that we're going to dole out to you 60, 60 euros a, a week or a month or whatever. I think it was a week. Um, no, I'm sorry. They could take out 60 bucks a day, I think it was. But it doesn't Some matter. Way. The point was is that somebody else was telling them how they could use their money. And uh, if that's not dangerous, nothing is. Well, and if we can't see – I mean, a lot of people say, well, that can't happen in America. Dude, it's already happening in America. Go to the ATM and try to take out more than $400. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's already uh, – you don't think they could turn that into 60 uh, And they will. 
<clears throat> look, we're Greece on steroids. You know, yeah. they say Greece has, Greece has no production, their debt to GDP is bad, blah, blah, blah. Go look at our numbers compared to theirs. We're like Greece times 10,000. So what, what is the reason that allows us to have this illusion of prosperity? What, what, what is that, David? <clears throat> um, the fact that we are such a huge economy and we're consumers. So in other words, everyone who's making stuff is selling it to us. They're just selling it on a credit card that's about to go bankrupt. But they don't know that or they don't believe that. And so um, we're, I've always equated America to being the playboy who inherited $5 million or something. And he uh-huh. spent the $5 million, and then he spent every credit card up to, uh, up to the hilt. And we're just about to see the end of the credit, but we're still driving around in the Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the truth be known, there's a lot of people in, in, in society that are doing the same thing. Well, Dave, hey, we're coming up toward the close of the show, and I want to end it with a, with, with a song. Um, it's called This is Amazing Grace because when it all boils down to it, folks, if you want more information from, from David, um, I can put you in contact with David. I can get You can buy his book at, at any time. I can, you can click it and do that. I'll send you one out, and I might even have a reduced price for you if you contact me to do it. But in the end, David, we really have one goal. It's actually two goals. For those of us that are Christians, number one is to get to heaven. Number two is to introduce our God to as many people as possible in our lifetime so that we have company when we're going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And that is the number one thing that we're doing, and so so little is paid to it. When, when you were on the show last time, we talked about complete fitness. The deal is we're trying to lead people to the road to complete fitness. And, David, hey, we're gonna, we've got one minute left, and I want uh, Justin to play a little bit of this song before we go, go out. But thank you so much for coming on, and hope maybe in the next four weeks before I'm kicked off the air, you can come back. Oh, I'll do it if you want. Sure. Absolutely. All right, let's do it. And, uh, Justin, play the song, please. for joining us on the Mickey Ellison Show. Mickey plans to be here again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hope you'll be here too.